0: This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve, go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know
1: What is poppin' everybody?
2: And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast, Well, you know, I'm here with my only friends and that includes my boy tortue Ooh, uh, baby
1: i lost my fucking voice there yeah I, you,
0: yeah uh, we I, at, well you know, yesterday or today what i don't know yesterday was crazy i thought maybe you were screaming or something no it was the
1: ufc fights oh uh,
0: yeah. yeah i was even on the space you bro. went to every sporting event in las vegas this week over the last three days yeah <laughs> that shit was
1: popping i had a lot of fun
0: you went to the knights game you went to the arena football game, then you went to the UFC. And while I'm match.
1: doing all this, my sidekick is on fucking Twitter, blowing out his brains. He's just yelling at people. He's telling them, you know, what? What you?
3: Wow, what, what's going on here? I, I just, I had a good day yesterday, man.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: indeed, you did. I just hung out, played some, played some two cards.
0: You know, want, some, want w- some money. Yeah, it was like one of the best days ever. I mean, the Pirates obviously are in first place now.
2: It doesn't get any better than that, right? They won
0: seven in a row. They had the best record in the National League. I mean, my God. And then Berkey takes hairball for, I don't know, 375, 379. Oh, and then the Twitter spaces were just. All I know is that was amazing.
1: I woke up to like, I don't know, 11 different messages from 11 different people that all said, What is going on on Twitter right now? And I'm like, wait, what happened? I
3: don't know what you guys are talking about.
1: <laughs> he says that, but he knows he was trending yesterday. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Seems to be a, a common theme these days. Uh, Conrad, it seems like you're echoing. I'm not really sure why. Maybe get that other mic away from you a little
2: bit. Oh, yeah.
3: Um, we have much bigger fish to fry today than the little bit of... Uh, alleged drama that may or may not have occurred on Twitter space yesterday. Who knows? It's, it's gone. It's in the ether. We'll never hear from it again. Uh, instead, we have a a story that has been building for the better part of six years, I would say. Very similar timeline to my experience uh, with the the person in question here. Uh, we're joined today by Jay Nandez, uh, former upswing content creator slash coach who is now on his own, making all the best PLO content out there on the internet. Uh, how are you doing, man? Sorry to have you under these specific circumstances, but appreciate you coming in.
2: I appreciate it. Okay. I enjoyed the opportunity. You guys have, a, you guys have good energy here. <laughs> <laughs> we try.
3: Uh, the, low key, the real reason we have you here is because we want to do a uh, PLO Poker Out Loud, and uh, you seem to be the man to put the lineup together.
2: I love it i mean plo has been picking up around the, around the globe and i think life plo is uh is, is kind of like next on the corner we'll also for self-aware of maybe yeah yeah
3: <laughs> joey henry once he's healed yeah. shout out to henry man
2: <laughs> yeah henry took one
3: he almost fucking lost his life over there and in... where where was bali bali jesus yeah. christ
1: uh all right on the motorcycle
3: let's 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 cut to the shits a little bit so um uh, i'll I'll start out by like painting a little bit of a backstory of of how i saw it as an outside observer and you can kind of fill me in a bit on uh where that perception may have been a bit off so my first exposure to you was uh precisely this drama between you and upswing um what i knew of you was that you were their hired gun for plo Uh, You you were in the process of creating one of the early courses. And very shortly thereafter, uh, you guys seemed to part ways in a very public manner. Um, And part of that public manner came to be me knowing you as the guy who ripped off a grandma for a bunch of (laughs) scarves. Uh, And I'll admit, as much as I hate Doug, and as much as I know that he's full of shit in the majority of the narratives that he puts out there uh i bought into it man i thought you were a bad guy and i held that perception for maybe a year year and a half like uh, i think we started interacting a little bit more on socials and it seemed like you were a pretty reasonable dude eventually you came out here uh we met you did poker out loud and now i i kind of understand like okay you were a bit of a victim of the doug machine as well tell me tell me a little bit about uh i guess that aspect of being misrepresented in in such an egregious way
2: yeah that's i mean it's interesting we talked about this before here on uh, before the podcast went live but when you add humor to any storyline basically people are willing to forgive you for misconstructions lies or whatever it could be or really serious allegations so a lot of people when they think back about the scarf story or the the grandma story They think that's a funny story, which is because it got represented in a funny way, which is completely understandable because Doc is very skilled when it comes to making humorous content. And if you combine humorous content with serious allegations, then people usually sort of seek after it, essentially. Not even fact-checking necessarily what is true and what isn't. So for me, it was a very uh, tough stretch of time because i was in switzerland now i'm in vegas and i wasn't as aware of like how people actually bought like how much people bought into this story and when you think about the the facts of the story which is or the the actual allegations without the whole humorous content behind it basically someone is accusing me to steal money in this case less than two thousand dollars from an elderly woman we can, get, we can get into the, the midst of the, the story later on because that's also not true, actually. Not even the the real story includes an elderly woman. But anyway, people were thinking and accusing me to steal money from the elderly person, which just by itself, if you don't add the humor to it, is actually a disgusting allegation to make if not proven to be true. So I was basically walking from different venues, EPTs and, and, and also World Series of Poker here when I came out for the summer, Walking into poker rooms, not knowing how many people in the room know me, and also if they do, assume that if they're not PLO players, if they're not following my brand, they probably only know me, believing that I'm a scammer, liar, or took money from an elderly woman or a grandmother, which is a very unsettling feeling, basically.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I can relate to this very closely, and I don't want to, I don't want to lose the thread of what this podcast is ultimately about, which is kind of revealing. Uh, the underlying details to the lawsuit and the fallout with upswing and everything else. But I think a a, a very important thread that we need to pull on is uh, why it's, it's so critical specifically for like guys like you, you myself uh, you know, I know Charlie's kind of out there in the mix and a lot of others who've been dragged for years by Doug publicly and uh, kind of calling out just how that changes the public perception and the narrative based off of the person with the loudest microphone kind of setting the stage. Uh, I can relate wholeheartedly to everything you're saying. You know, uh, there, there was a, a big thread going on a few days ago about uh, back in 2017 when I opted out for uh, the, the first big game that Feldman tried to run on the bike. And the majority of the details that were public were either fabricated, exaggerated, or twisted in a certain way to make it appear that I was uh, a villain in a way that made Doug Reinfee, Feldman etc all look better right And it sounds very similar to this story that you're saying where it's like it's not it's not bad enough that there is this fallout between you and this company uh, who's led by this industry leader with a big or a big name and a platform to speak on, but then it turns into this weird, like moving the goalposts, uh, where your character is being dragged based off of exaggerated, fabricated, or twisted narratives that only can make you look bad and alter greatly the entire public perception of you moving forward, including your brand and the business that you're trying to build. And I think that's the part that people don't understand enough about. Everybody's like, Doug's funny. Why don't you guys laugh at yourselves more? Like, he's the only one who can really laugh at himself kind of thing. It's like, there's no humor in, in destroying a person's livelihood for the memes, right? Especially if you're paying close enough attention to recognize that it's helping his livelihood. Everything is bottom line driven as far as I can tell. And I think we're finally getting to a point where either people are opening their eyes or they've had enough of this nonsense to where they're open to listening to the people that Doug has so wrongfully dragged for so many years. And those people are still staples of the community. It's seven years later. And all the people that he said are scumbags and liars and scammers and frauds and everything else are still out here putting out good content, playing the game that they enjoy, Profiting year over year and being none of the things that they were accused of being over the past five to six years. Uh why don't you give us a little bit more of the details of what the actual truths behind the the scarf gate, so to speak, were.
2: For sure. Like one, of the, one of the common comments, and I think that's that's also something a lot of people I guess maybe not know enough about because they don't experience it, is that this argument of you can just defend yourself, like why are you complaining? Like you can just go out there and defend yourself. And it's not that easy for several reasons. One of them is platform and reach. And also, the, I mean, there, are, there are several things. First of all, if someone accuses you of something and he has a large platform and knows how to be convincing, then that first image is already out there in people's heads. And if I make a video defending myself on my much, much smaller platform, not only will I reach less people, but I will also not reach the same people as Doc is reaching with his video even if I would reach someone that watched his video, a lot of people don't necessarily care as much about the defense video as much as about the humorous allegations video because it's more drama, more interesting, more appealing. So for people out there to put themselves into the same shoes and understand the problem potentially is if if a big newspaper tomorrow comes out and is accusing you of something horrible, sure, you can defend yourself, but that doesn't, that doesn't um, remove all the damage that has already been taking place. So even, even though I come out here and defend myself back then and today, it doesn't necessarily uh, remove all the damage that has been done now and throughout the years and people's first impression. So defense, yes, but it's not as easy and straightforward. Uh, this, what was the second question?
3: Uh, the actual details behind the the scarf situation.
2: Okay, so I worked for Upswing Poker on two projects. A lot of people don't know that. They only know the project that I ended up terminating the, the, the agreement with, which was called PLO Lab. Prior to the PLO Lab, I created a course that was called PLO University. So anyway, in the PLO Lab, I didn't work on my own accord. I actually had a team of people working with me and anyone who's running a subscription based poker site or training site knows that it is helpful to work with other people together especially back then already uh, with the with the uh, with the solvers that are out there it makes a lot of sense to work with people because you need to run sims aggregate results produce outputs basically takeaways and generate ideas, etc. So I was working with a team of people, and the irony behind that as well is that one of the allegations that Upswing made against me, even in the lawsuit, was that they didn't know I was working with a team, they only hired me. However, in their own sales copy of this course, or this subscription PLO lab, it states, Jay Nandes and his team of pros. (laughs) So, and there are countless examples just like that where it's not very difficult to like prove that they're just fabricating lies, obviously. But to the normal user out there who's watching a doc video, oh, they didn't know he had a team of people. This is so scummy. And that's the first impression, right? Yeah. But anyway, I had a team of people working with me. And one of those individuals was Philip. Philip, back then, was a PLO 50 uh, online grinder taking shots at PLO 100. Today he's actually a runner once coach and plays high stakes PLO. But back then we were working together basically in the beginning of his career, you can say. And he was uh, he had a degree in as a as a chemist I think or physician. Okay. I think it was a chemist, and he was very smart about how to how to uh, run sims and how to extract information slash mass data from solvers in order to make them available to me and create content about it, essentially. So we worked together, and in the breakup between Upswing and myself, I took my entire team, obviously, into the PLO Mastermind, and we started creating content there as well as a team. At some point, though, we had several disagreements in that engagement, uh, even a month in already, unfortunately, and I decided to let Philip go, and also two other people that were working closely together with him. So we basically separated, and they weren't specifically unhappy about that in itself. I also have proof of that. But after about two or three months, Philip reminded me that we had a conversation in March, which was three months, four months prior to to that message, where he was basically flirting with the idea of creating scarves he said like his mother can knit and she can create scarves with the Anders poker logo on it and if i thought that was a good idea and i said like sure let, why don't you create or why don't why doesn't she create a sample and send it over to me he lives in the netherlands i lived in switzerland make a sample send it over they created a sample or she created a sample send it over and it was like fine and we said sure uh let's Create more of them I guess and if we have Yearly members we can send them a scarf As a special reward Or something something nice you know And to be clear his, his mother was 90 years old Yeah she was in her like mid 40s Okay <laughs> <laughs> so again
3: it, it doesn't like there is no
2: Elderly woman in, you know Involved not, not
0: the vision it's, that he's like Trying it's, to portray no, yeah, Elderly, like, elderly is a streaming woman, term you know Right on a walker or a cane who like yeah. Elderly
2: adjacent mm-hmm. Yeah also, I, ne- I never talked to, to his mother on a side note. Like, it was Philip and me who basically talked about this idea. And he bought the resource. I mean, he bought basically the knitting equipment or whatever. And then she started knitting. And then three months, four months in, he sent me a message and said, by the way, she produced now, I don't know the exact number, maybe 40 or 60 scarves, something along those lines. And I'm, I'm gonna, I want you to pay for the scarves. Which, was, which came out to about $2,000, something like that, a little bit less than $2,000. It was six years ago as well. So I don't remember the exact numbers. It was a large amount. I was kind of surprised, basically. And at that time, I was pretty pissed because we started the mastermind with seven people. I had to, go, I had to let go of three because of what I thought was unjustified um, unjustified reason so to speak. We can go about this later on. But anyway, I was pissed and I made a mistake and I didn't respond to Philip right away. I didn't say I'm not gonna pay for the scarves. I didn't say uh, I'm gonna scam your mother or whatever it is. <laughs> <It's so laughs> he just sent me a message on Discord and said, Here is the bill or the invoice for the scarves. It's two thousand dollars. How do you wanna send it? So after three weeks of me ghosting him and not replying to his message, he started a threat on two plus two. And at that point, I reached out to him, obviously, was trying to... I made a mistake, right? I should have reached out, I should have paid for the scarf, and I should have just settled it. Obviously, it was a big mistake on my end. So I reached out to Philip and said, you know what, obviously, like, let's figure this out. I'm going to pay for the scarves, you're going to send it to me. However, I would like you to send me the scarves so I can pay you for them, because we don't have a trust base anymore, and I don't want to send you the money and then not receive anything, and basically get scammed in the process. In the process, and he didn't agree. He wanted to see the money first. I wanted to see the scarf first. It was a dumb back and forth because at the end of the day, it was about $2,000. So anyway, we didn't agree on the terms exactly. And then at some point I said, you know what, I'm just going to pay for these scarves. Whether I will ever see them or not, <laughs> I'm just going to pay for it. Yeah. But he refused to sell them to me because at that point, there was already appetite from upswing to jump on the story specifically Duck and start twisting the details. And if he would have sold the scarves to me, they couldn't use this as leverage anymore to paint me in a negative picture. So he wouldn't sell the scarves anymore to me because otherwise Doug couldn't turn his mid-40s mother into an elderly grandma <laughs> and portray me as a scammer on socials. Like the story wouldn't work anymore. So they decided to go that route. And then later on ended up working together on a project called PLO Matrix The upswing poker and the guys that basically defamed me in this 2 plus 2 post ended up being, you can say, business partners. So I don't know their exact legal agreement at the end of that year.
3: And there was was another detail to this 2 plus 2 post, right? Uh, Something to the effect of um, Philip initially posted, but there was an edited version of it that was uh, quite different than the original post. And potentially Matt Coletta had uh, altered that post.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So basically what happened is I got sued five or six months after I stopped working for Upswing Poker for breach of contract. In the discovery phase of this lawsuit, which was going on for two and a half, three years, I basically received a lot of documents from Upswing Poker, conversations they have in between each other, documents that they created, etc. One of those documents was a conversation that Matt Coletta had with Johnny, who is close to Philip, about this 2 plus 2 post. On top of that, I also received two versions of Philip's 2 plus 2 post from Matt Coletta. One of the versions was the original version. Another one was an altered version where there were a lot more misleading and the defamatory language used that was edited by Matt Caletta. We were able to prove that, and I also posted this on Twitter, where you can see that the last editor of the second version is Matt Coletta. Now, I cannot tell you guys out there what exactly he edited, because I just can't prove it, but we have two versions. One of them is vastly different and much more harming, and I posted the differences as well on, on, on Twitter, and that's the version that Matt Coletta ended up uh, or that philip ended up posting under his name and it would include words like i'm a scammer my full name and just like paint the entire story in a more negative picture basically
3: yeah and if you guys want to see uh these two posts side by side uh or catch any more of the details of that story uh you can check out jay Nandes' thread on twitter i think guapo also uh may be able to pull them up here and there um that was actually discovered in court right like during the discovery process so your lawyers used that as uh as as kind of a, a point of leverage demonstrating that they weren't being truthful about uh the scarf thing correct
2: yeah i mean it demonstrated that there was this conspiracy running between upswing poker who i formerly worked with as a freelancer and employees of mine at that point not employees anymore any of mine. So basically if those two parties that previously worked with me are conspiring against me, it's obviously highly unethical behavior and we're able to prove that um in the in the arbitration.
3: Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um all right, let's let's get into the lawsuit a bit and then we can come back uh we can circle back to like some of the other misrepresentations. Um the, let's first, let's lay out the groundwork. So first and foremost, who sued who, and what were the claims
2: and counterclaims? So first of all, I got sued by Upswing. It was not the other way around, but again, Doc is trying to paint this as a positive picture, but it's such a negative picture because they sued me for so many ridiculous claims, which by the way, they lost all of them. (laughs) So it's not really, oh, we sued him because we were right. I think, I believe that they only sued me because they were trying to basically harm my reputation and also inquire a lot of costs on my end, so that I couldn't get my business up and running. That's just my interpretation, obviously, of it. But I got sued by Upswing in about, I think, September of 2018. I worked for them until March of 2018. So basically, after I ended working with Upswing and went my own ways... They started making videos about me and threats. I just remained silent because I wanted to move forward. At some point, I responded, and that response probably triggered a lot of uh, emotions in uh, the Upswing crew or Doc or whoever. So they decided to sue me in September two thousand eighteen roundabout, and I, I posted the I posted basically their claims on Twitter in my first threat. Right. So. Uh
3: let me see. The actual
2: the actual claims were
3: um, sorry, I have the wrong one up here. Okay. So looking at the looking at the first thread, uh, basically, this ended up being three years in court, over 9,000 pages of discovery. Obviously, uh, each of you guys are spending tons of money. Um, they sued you for breach of contract, copyright infringement and intentional interference with contractual relations, as well as uh, declaratory relief. Did you, that, that, that's the suit that they lost, correct?
2: Yes, they lost all of them. Okay. Well, let me correct that. <laughs> so they had a lot of claims, mm-hmm. and at the actual arbitration, they actually abandoned most of their claims because at that point they realized this is obviously absurd and right. they're, going, they're not gonna win any of these claims.
3: Okay, so then moving forward, whenever you guys finally took it to court, Uh, and entered discovery did you counter sue or uh, was there loss your gain in this
2: instance so my a little a little backstory and like working with lawyers in general my lawyers asked me what do you seek out of this lawsuit against you basically do you want to fight back do you want to basically just move on as fast as possible and my position has always been i don't want to be in this at all I want to focus on my business, on my customers. I want to make content. I don't want to be in a lawsuit at all. Like I'm getting sued, but I don't want to engage in it. I'm just want to, I'm trying to defend myself basically. Mm-hmm. After a year in though, I spent over a hundred thousand dollars in lawyers fees. And my understanding at least was, or my, I guess, yeah. My naive understanding was, well, if their claims are all false, I will obviously get my money back for the lawyers, for the lawyer fees. And they told me that's not necessarily true. Actually, you can, they can lose all their, their claims and just basically sue you for, quote-unquote, no reason, or without good reason, and you still don't reclaim your lawyer fees. In order to reclaim them, you would have to win a case. So it could make sense to counter-sue them for defamation, for example. So that's when I started entertaining the idea, like, maybe I should sue them as well, because that's going to put them into the defense, and also have a bigger chance to, to win back the money that I spent and a year in, we weren't even close to arbitration, so I knew it's going to be even more expensive for me to go to arbitration to make this whole thing happen. So by the end, I ended up not only counter, uh, counterclaiming um, defamation, but also breach of contract, And which is the irony. like They sued me for breach of contract. I, never, I was never trying to sue them, but then counterclaimed breach of contract on their end and ended up winning because they were in breach of the contract, in fact.
3: Okay, so that... All right, so uh, two now separate court cases. First is their, their claims against you, which ultimately the end result was they, they lost those, correct? Correct. Okay. From that, was anything
2: rewarded to you? So there were fees awarded to me that I, that I had to come up with. I had to come up with lawyers and defense, and they actually ended up giving me some of my attorney money back because I, I needed i needed to defend myself against claims that were in my eyes absurd right
3: and then the second suit was your lawsuit against them for breach of contract and defamation now i understand you lost the defamation aspect of it but you won the breach of contract correct and that's where the one hundred fifty thousand settlement came from
2: One hundred fifty thousand hundred and fifty thousand comes it's it's a mix of basically of the two the legal fees so, uh, to put the numbers in, in perspective, I spent about $250,000 in legal fees in this case. Mm. And again, it wasn't completely a choice because I had to defend myself, but part of my defense was the counterclaim for defamation. That was my choice based on what I just basically told you about yeah. my incentives. Yeah. yeah. And the arbit- arbitrator basically argued and said, You decided to claim defamation and you inquired legal fees for that. We're not going to give you those back because that that was your decision and wasn't part of the defense. So that's why I couldn't get the full amount back in legal fees that I spent and only got the money back that I used for defense plus money they owed me that resulted out of their breach of the contract. Okay. So all told, uh, how how much were they in breach of for the contract? Uh, what, What did they technically owe you? So they ended up having to pay me for the contract about $17,000 that they didn't pay out. Mm-hmm. And, the, and that's also an interesting twist of the story because in 2018, I got presented with the numbers of um, the last four months I worked for Upswing. And I was under the impression that these numbers were wrong, which, was, which ended up being correct. Like they were wrong. They underreported their numbers. They gave me wrong numbers. My understanding was because they had wrong numbers in their accounting system, they were just like, not correct and i knew from the beginning that the numbers were incorrect but i decided to move on because i i I didn't see enough chances to basically win the money back and start a lawsuit and all this kind of stuff so i knew the numbers were wrong and i said that on insta on 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 youtube as well i thought the number they would owe me is much higher and the reason for that is because matt coletta the president of ups poker reported a member account to me. So he, he basically updated, updated me every month, how many members are in the PLO lab, which is the product that we have. And those numbers were also incorrect. So actually he reported to me 850 members in the product. And in the discovery of the lawsuit, it came out that those numbers were incorrect and they only had 400 or 500 members in the product, which is why I was under the impression I was owed a lot more money. Mm-hmm. So they were not only incorrect about reporting the sales numbers, but also they actually not report, they didn't report the member number correct to me as well while we were working together. Okay, so uh, end all be all you guys now part
3: ways you've launched your separate brand uh, three years has passed at this point, so we're like 2021-ish, I would assume. Um, you, you basically come out on top of the lo- uh the law case and everything else what was what was the messaging then from upswing side like uh did they walk anything back oh yeah sorry actually before i even ask that question tell me a little bit more about what you were being accused of because i know that there was a point where doug was claiming that uh they uh you stole i uh intellectual property basically with Play and explains um as well as like all of your youtube content was technically owned by upswing what was the, the actual claim there and then what was ruled in court? <laughs> Chauncey's here to say hi. She's <laughs> interested. She's Chauncey, here to party. Chauncey's mad right now. Yeah. <laughs> Big mad. Uh,
2: yeah, that's also one of those nice twists that Doug likes to spin a little bit, which is it sounds great if you say, Hey, we were suing him for breach of contract, but there is a reason why he doesn't want to declare or doesn't say what exactly they were suing me for. Where was I breach where was I in breach of the contract? So had many different claims Uh, you know basically all of them were absurd but one of them was for example they would say that the format plain explain or plain explain reloaded as we called in the PLO mastermind is a format and all the poker players know what plain explain is basically just over-the-shoulder content you play and you just commentate Mm -hmm. on your gameplay online anyway this format plain explain they claim I have learned those from upswing poker and therefore i'm not able to reproduce them in my own company plo mastermind or on youtube because i learned it from them so therefore i'm denied to basically continue to do any playing explains and what we haven't mentioned so far is that i was under a freelancer agreement so (laughs) i was just making contractual work for a course and they claim that I cannot make any playing explains like lifetime anymore, which is obviously, again, pretty absurd. But the, 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 the tricky part about this is, if you go to arbitration, the arbitrator is not a poker player. He doesn't know anything about poker. So you have to really explain what is a playing explain and why is it not special or proprietary to upswing poker. And we were able to convince the arbitrator of that, obviously at the end, but that's just like one of the many claims that just- Well, the big thing
3: was you already had uh, proven examples of having done it prior, right? correct Which i was
0: making ones.
2: play and explains for one at once back yeah. in 2014 like, card wonders uh, was making is play and upswing,
0: are they are they like claiming that they invented uh, play and explain like they, they were the ones that invented it and they were the, they have proprietary um uh ownership of it like that i mean for what, so what it's worth so it, like
3: uh you know we we have something that i consider to be very unique in poker out loud and I don't right. think I still don't think we could win an arbitration. I, I
0: don't think so either, because I mean it's not like we have it copyrighted or whatever, there's or just, trademarked or whatever, there, whatever you just have to go through. Nothing to, to, you can do to patent it. Right, exactly. And it's just like It's just IP. I mean, I mean as far back as and it, like online poker has, has been around, play and explain has been a thing. Tough fish was doing play and explain. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah, right? He really was. Like, no, he should see like, you. Like, Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, like so like to, and then like you said, you had um you know, you were doing this... like uh, Yeah, like, uh, Run It Once has been doing this forever. I mean, it so, sounds like,
3: like this was a railroading tactic yeah. to, you know, prevent you from <laughs> uh, basically launching your new company and, uh, you know, building off of the back of what you had already done for, for Upswing. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the contract, because I know that there was uh, what Doug refers to as a loophole in the 90-day termination, but, um, you know, given... Uh, I, I should outline this a little bit. Like so given that you are a third party independent contractor, um I mean to some degree I'm surprised you even had a contract, right? Because uh the only reason to really sign one is to ensure that you're like basically under a non compete for the time that you're working for Rob Swing and that part makes sense to me. But um generally with freelancers, they're they're free to work as they see fit, uh, for whoever they see fit. Like it's rare that you're just going to kind of corner them and make them your own without putting them on payroll. So what was the uh loophole that, that Doug um kind of highlights with the ninety day termination?
2: Yeah, that's another nice twist by Mr. Duck. So so basically at a freelance agreement, which is a very open agreement, actually the copyright, for example not the copyright, the um the competition clause, like the non-compete, yeah, yeah. was so open in this contract that I, I was able to even do other content. It was the, the only details of the, of the um, non-compete were that I couldn't use the content that I was delivering for Upswing anywhere else, which made sense Sure, because it was their content. I delivered it and I created it for them. Mm-hmm. But there was no non-compete otherwise. And the 90-day loophole, as they call it, is basically just my right and their rights to just terminate the agreement. And then after 90 days, uh, basically just move on. So, Oh, so wait. it was like a 90-day non-compete. No, it's not non-compete, but it's like, I have to basically produce another um, batch of content for 90 days after uh, um, res- resigning. Let's see. And then the <laughs> other way around as well. And this is actually... a. This is actually a class that is very company-friendly because they, they can basically hire a coach. The coach makes 100 videos, let's say. After 100 videos... Whoa. Oh, damn.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dude, this, fuck, this guy's an ice menace. menace. He fucking <laughs> bit me. <laughs> yeah, like five minutes ago. So you, you'll literally see it. it was, when the shot was on us, I just, like... like oh, man. Bro, bit my arm. He's trying to destroy us Is it us a all. he or is she? Yo, it's did Doug pay you? I know. I just saying? Saying. Yeah.
3: Chauncey's an agent of chaos. I wish right. we had, like, a roving camera so we could just see the look on his face. He just looks so proud of himself. <laughs> this fucking He's Chauncey cam. He's shocked right now. Chauncey's working for Upswing. He's
1: trying to destroy the set. <laughs> all right. Let's,
3: let's, let's bring it back around. Okay, so... To the 90-day... Oh, uh, yeah. The loophole. Exactly. Loophole. Yeah. So,
2: basically... They can just hire a coach, the coach makes a hundred videos, those videos belong to Upswing, and then they can fire the coach, and the coach has no right to have any... They they don't have any compensation anymore for those videos. So actually, it's a company-friendly clause because you can just fire anyone at any point without any reason, which is exactly the way it's stated in the contract, at any point. So it's not like I used this sick loophole and then just came around and backstabbed them or whatever. It was my right... To also end at some point because you need to have a way to end the contract as well, and that was the way to end it. Now the way Doc portrayed it is saying like, oh yeah, like at one point he was saying something on the lines like I requested it, which is again they put it in. I never touched or edited the contract. They at at one point they were blaming their lawyers. We have actually evidence that Matt Coletta is editing contracts in the in the in at Upstream Poker, so it is conceivable to think that. Matt Coletta actually put the contract together. Not sure if that's true or not, but like there's strong evidence that su- suggests that. But it's kind of like, again, lack of responsibility to claim, th- 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 like to basically go after your lawyers and say, well, my lawyers made a mistake in the contract, blah, 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 but in reality, it probably was different. But also the 90-day termination clause in my contract was actually in many of their contracts with freelancers. We saw other contracts and my previous contact And the 90-day termination clause is in there as a default. So it's not something that sneaked into my contract or I requested. It was in the contract of many of their contracts, essentially, not only mine. And I think what actually happened is this. When I told Matt in the end of December 2017, look, Matt, I'm not happy with this relationship. I want to end the contract with upswing and you. I have a three-month... Like, I'm going to work for you guys for another three months, and then I'm out he was not surprised about the three months or 90 days because he knew the contract. Mm-hmm. But when I then had a four-way call with Matt, Ryan, and Doug Polk, Doug was extremely surprised. So his first words were when I said, I'm going to resign and I'm going to work for you guys for another 90 days, and this call is all about finding an amicable solution to move forward as two brands. His immediate response was, you can't do that, we're going to sue you. And because he didn't know that i could do that because he didn't know the contract right so there was no loophole it was just that Doc was uninformed matt wasn't he knew there was a 90-day clause in there i didn't put it in it that's just again a fabrication to make me look bad and a lack of responsibility from upswing side to just stand by their own contract and own words yeah
3: yeah i think that makes a ton of sense uh we may have glossed over this a bit but what was the actual deal that you signed with them what was the uh the payment what was the responsibility for you as a content creator
2: yeah, so my responsibility was to deliver a weekly plane explain and also a monthly module or module video. It wasn't really declared how many videos that would be, like how many videos fit into a module. Mm-hmm. A mod, the idea of a module is like a theoretical concept, basically, for example, C-banding on the flop or something along okay. those lines. Right. So I was delivering one module a month and uh, one plane explain a week. So you can argue that's going to be about five videos a month. It could be also more. But I always over-delivered. So at the end of the day, I'd, I delivered 75 videos to the PLO Lab, even though I didn't have to. Right. Because I wanted to I wanted to see this project succeed, obviously. And then in return for that, they would give me a 30% revenue share on the PLO Lab memberships, which was also something that got caught me off guard because... After I finished working on the PLO University, the prior product, where I got a 25% share, I talked to Matt Coletta, the the Upswings president, and I told him, I'm looking for a 50-50 split. Now, a 50-50 split doesn't mean that I want 50% of the gross revenue or something. It just means I'm looking for something where we're in a fair middle, where we both have the same, basically. And he knew that, and he told me that, and I have a screenshot of it on Twitter. And... I started, basically, we were, in, we, we, we were on the same page, so to speak. He knew I'm looking for 50-50, and I went off and started working on the project. And then three days or four days before the launch of the project, after pre-selling already some copies, I got presented with a contract that entailed a 30% revenue share. So obviously, first of all, obviously, I should have requested a contract much earlier, but also... I was extremely surprised and also uh, underwhelmed with the fact that they sort of deceived me into believing that I'm going to receive a 50% contract and they three days prior to the launch give me a 30% contract. So I wasn't happy with that either.
3: Yeah, these rev share deals are kind of tough because uh, you're really at the mercy of the company. So um, I know that uh, in the notes that you you gave me, there was a point where they ran a launch where they promised access to the PLO lab for a dollar. And that's... That's pretty shitty for you as the content creator if you don't have a base salary, right? Because uh, let's, for instance, say that I want to get into PLO on our site tomorrow, right? And it's like, oh, well, we don't have any PLO content. We need to bring people in, yada, yada, yada. Let me go out and get Jay Nandez. And I say, hey, listen, I'll give you an 80-20 split on the rev that we do on this PLO course. And then I turn around and I sell it for a dollar. What the hell? That's that's relatively useless. And uh, these sort of like baked in um you know like ad campaigns that you're going to run in order to get feet in the door that's where the majority of your traffic is going to come from so i I don't know how much of that uh actually falls under uh the 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 payments that you did like i don't know how many of those members paid next to nothing um but when it was all said and done were you like happy with the 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 actual payment
2: i mean the vast majority of people that were in the product moved from the university Peter University, into the PLO lab for, as you said, like a very small or like basically $1. Yeah. I, I wasn't as focused on, so I, I wasn't as focused on um, am I happy with the situation now as far as, as, as far as like the money goes. My idea was more, I'm, I'm entering the coaching space. I mean, I started making Twitch content or I started working on coaching in poker in 2014 on one on Once, and then on Twitch by myself, and then with Upswing, I was focused on my trajectory as a coach in the industry and, and, and building something that has substance over the years. Mm-hmm. So as far as the PILA lab goes, I was like, yeah, I mean, the thir- like the- I understand that companies sometimes can only offer 30%. Like, it could make sense. I was just unhappy with the deceptiveness of like, look, guys, why do you do this to me? You put me into a spot where we discuss something like 50/50 and then 3 days before you come with 30% where you basically know I cannot decline because the um the marketing campaigns are already out there, my name is already out there. Right. We pre-sold the product. So if I turn around now and say I'm going to decline, then I'm the big loser. So why do you guys need to put me into this position? But I decided to move on and say, okay, look, we're going to make it work anyway. So what I'm going to do is, I told them, I told Upswing, I'm going to build a software project that I want to work with you guys together that is going to expand Upswing's offering into the software market. Th- that was uh, that was basically my idea of saying like, hey, look, I'm going to find like other ways to work on this thing. So I, I moved forward. But then there were like, Many other reasons why uh, I felt like completely unsupported or deceived in the relationship where at some point I was like, I don't think I want to continue with those guys. And like small details, like fine print stuff, for example, it's not only that the 30% is mine, but also I have to pay all the affiliates, which wasn't clear beforehand. The affiliates would get lifetime revenue share, which means that in my subscription model, they would basically get money from me all the time. Again, all these things could be fine. In an in an agreement where we both agreed beforehand and knew what we're getting into, but I thought I was I was deceived into this agreement by them, which I wasn't happy in, in terms of the intentionality behind it. Like, do I want to work with people that want to do things like that? Um, and and there were like other reasons. Like, 2017 was when Bitcoin rose from 3k to 17k. Was a big time for crypto back then, and basically. Doug and Matt and Ryan they launched a new project a crypto project uh, i think it was called Coin Central and they spent a lot of time on crypto projects and i just didn't feel the support or the desire from their side to do much in the poker space or poker coaching space so it was like why am i working with these people that a deceived me and b they don't really they're not really interested in poker at all like they're interested in crypto like i don't really want to move forward in this relationship
3: yeah yeah, that that all makes a lot of sense. Uh, we all know how that timeline played out. I la Coinflex. Um, let's talk a little bit now about, I guess, the or let's circle back, I suppose, to uh, that time between, I guess, when you left and maybe the end of the lawsuit. I, I'm not really sure how long the the dragging took place for, but. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how this all played out in the public eye. So obviously we've discussed the, the scarf narrative and how you kind of were portrayed to be a scammer. But it wasn't like as if that was the end all be all. There was one video done and, you know, uh, you, you're now forever the guy who uh, ripped off a grandmother. Um, it seemed as though there was a, a, a lot of subtle attacks sent your way, um, largely in the 2018 timeline i guess um tell me a little bit about what that was what, like what, what that was like during that time like the attacks that doug was putting on you give us a little bit more of a reference point for that and then uh we can discuss a little bit more in hindsight
2: yeah so the main problem that i have with doug also like to clarify that is not that he made a mistake in uh, or they made mistakes in business dealings it's not really about that because when you make business and like we're all poker players and we sometimes start a business, we make mistakes, I make mistakes, they make mistakes. Most of them come down to communication or just like lack of experience. This is all fine, like their contract wasn't great, like the communication had issues. All these things are, they are just happening in the real world. And I'm I'm the first to admit that I'm making mistakes all the time when it comes to communicating to my team right now and I'm trying to learn and improve. What I have a problem with is the intentionality behind then afterwards trying to damage someone's reputation over and over again by misconstruing the reality. And this is what followed our relationship after 2018. So I exited the company, and most normal humans would then say, you know what, let's go our ways. We're going to build our thing. You're going to build your thing, and that's it. But Doug can't do that. Like He has to continuously engage and misconstrue and lie. I mean, I posted basically misrepresentations and lies about me on Twitter today, this morning. Mm. And I realized that Twitter only allows 25 replies in a threat. And I had to make five parts because there's so many lies that Doc put together in the last five or six years about me that they filled up 75 tweets or 100 (laughs) tweets, basically. It's just so many, right? (laughs) And I didn't want to let him get, get away with just like pointing out some highlights. There's just so, so many lies. And these lies are created in a way to really take someone down. I think basically the impression that Doug has about you can say real life is that it's all a game, you know, like you have to there are opponents and enemies and there are allies and you're one or the other and it's about destroying and taking down the opponents basically and he he takes the same approach in real life by just thinking about how can I take a situation something someone said and put it into a different light so I can destroy this individual's reputation or business or peace, whatever it is. And there are several of those instances. For example, when I ended the relationship with Upswing under the terms of contract, I wasn't in breach, I wasn't a liar, I didn't scam anyone, didn't harm any elderly people, I didn't do any of these things. Upswing Poker as a company, which is also shocking, decided to host and publicize a website on their website, Upswing Poker, about me. And it was featuring my full name, my screen name, and was lab- it was called The Dirty Dealings of Fernando Habeco, aka Jane Andes87. It was listing me as a scammer, a thief, an unethical person, like a backstabber, like all these things on their website. We're talking here about a multi million dollar business that decides it's a great idea to put up a website about someone individually that worked like that on their, on, on their website. And they held this website up for two years. So my number one search result on, YouTube, uh, on, on Google was that. Jeez. And if you think about this, I mean, Matt Coletta, the president of Upswing Poker, has a SEO, based, a SEO optimized. He has a company that offers SEO services. Mm-hmm. Upswing Poker is very successful because of their SEO skills. So the reality is, if I wanted to rent an apartment, if I wanted to buy a house, if I, if I engaged with someone in real life outside of poker... It is not an actual job or something like that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's the the first thing they're going to see every time. The first entry Mm -hmm. people will see is the dirty dealings of Jane Anders and all the acquisitions above Mm -hmm. it. And I had to deal with that for two years. Like, you can't just take down a website. It's, it's, and it is a decision by a company that makes millions of dollars. Like, it is just absurd, basically. And I would say, and I would say that the uh, website was sort of the most damaging thing that they could have done because it really, um, it really connected or, or, or moved beyond the scope of the poker space. It moved into my personal life and like people around me, my family and so on, they would find that search result mm-hmm. about me on Google and they themselves were unsure. Oh, wh- what's going on? what are you doing? Like, I know you're playing poker and I know you're always like acting the way we know you, but what's going on with these dirty dealings, you know? So it can really mess you up in many ways by, when people do stuff like that. And, uh, and after I basically counterclaimed or sued them for defamation, then at some point two years in, they decided to remove the web page.
3: At that point, like, I assume the majority of the, the piling on kind of had subsided mission accomplished you know you're two years in damage was done yeah the damage is done you're in legality uh or you're in the court system now uh and you know there was a ton of these misrepresentations i remember um uh, you know i'm signed up to like all these newsletters and whatnot uh and you have a post here saying that uh on january 7th doug sent an email to upswing customers stating fernando has decided to quit the plo lab he's going to be leaving upswing in 90 days instead of fulfilling his promise and commitment to you as a PLO lab member and upswing to produce content for them. Um, Or for 18 months, sorry. And I remember this getting leaked, uh, I think, on 2 plus 2, perhaps. Uh, This is all vague memory, but this is obviously like a clear misrepresentation as that's... uh, And I want to be clear because like this is something that I think Doug is very good at, right? Nothing in that in that collection of sentences is objectively false, right? Like he takes partial truths and strings them together Mm -hmm. in such a way that misrepresents like out of context, it just completely misrepresents what's actually happening here. Like, yeah, Fernando did decide to leave uh, the PLO lab after 90 days. Yes. He's not going to be fulfilling an 18 month, uh, you know, contract or anything along those lines. And yeah, it's the people who subscribe to the lab, that are going to be without him as now a coach but the wording of this is that it's an intentional decision to hurt the consumer and basically spit in the face of those who are putting good money towards his coaching right right that in a nutshell to me is what we've allowed uh this this brand to become right when i think of upswing i don't think of like great poker coaches i don't think of the best content out there i think of like an outdated lab that hasn't been upgraded in years i think about a heads-up course that's five years old and is probably barely even serviceable at this point like and then i think about a a bunch of hired guns who come in do a one-off course That, you know, makes a pile of cash, ends up getting pirated, and almost always falls under some level of criticism or, uh, you know, accolades, depending on who made the course, right? There's been some hits and there's been some misses. I'm not trying to, to say they never put out good content, but my whole point is when I think of Upswing, I think of Doug, I think of Doug's YouTube content, I think of all of the bodies that he's left in the wake in order to bolster himself up as the end boss as the evil empire as the voice of the community and I think it's only now that more of us are willing to like get on the mic regularly and uh, you know contribute in a a meaningful way to those around us that people are kind of seeing like man this is a one way street he is just trashing everybody that is uh, in this community for better or for worse and it's all just directing eyeballs at him it's all funneling more money up to the top of upswing and in the process it's creating a community divided where everybody is now forced to pick a team and rally behind the cry of scam fraud etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, I, I can't remember whose Twitter I was reading yesterday but um, they were talking about how ridiculous it is that the way the word scammer is getting thrown around like there are so many people in this industry that are actually stealing hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. We've covered a lot of them on this show that barely even get mentioned as a scammer or a thief or fraud or anything of the sort. But anyone who's in the public space that is potentially you know, trying to build a community, trying to build a brand, and then obviously trying to monetize those things is constantly called into question by the person who has the biggest platform to do so. And for me personally, I've spoken out about this a lot, but like that's the lowest of low on the business ethics rung as far as I'm concerned, right? Like you don't beat your competition by running a political campaign and dragging them through the mud. I understand that that's what American politics has become, but I don't think anybody...
0: The smear campaign.
3: Yeah. I don't think anybody appreciates that about American Mm -hmm. politics.
0: No, of course not. That's what everyone hates about American politics. And
3: and we're certainly not electing the best candidates based off of who can run the best smear campaigns, right? Like we want to be in a meritocracy and we want to let our work show for ourselves. And I think especially in this coaching space, which is still relatively new, even though, you know, card runners dates back to like 2010, 29, something like that. uh, It's still relatively new and we don't have a proper auditing process, right? The vast majority of the people out there that are willing to call Jane Andes, a scammer who rips people off and uh, you know, gets old grandmothers to knit scarves and doesn't pay them. And the vast majority of the people that are willing to echo airball sentiments that Solve for why is a scam and that Berkey can't beat any games that he plays in and certainly can't coach on top of it have zero exposure. Zero exposure to us as individuals in the real world and to our products, mm-hmm. right? The vast majority of the people that are wildly outspoken have no idea what a good... Piece of coaching content looks like. And that was evident last night in the spaces when Lynn starts trashing our roster and just starts with Brokus. It's like this guy is one of the most well respected coaches in the industry. Right. Anyone.
0: Right. That's where she is, starts with Brokus. Right.
3: Anyone is lucky yeah. to have him do a piece of content for mm-hmm. them. Period. A guy like Matt Hunt has over 3,000 hours of coaching under his belt. Who cares if he doesn't have a million in Hendon Mom earnings? Right. Right. What are his online earnings? You didn't bother to go. To, like, what are we taking mm-hmm. these short measurements yeah. of? What's the purpose? And
0: it was all, like, all based around people's Hendon mop. As if, like, there's not cash game players out there that don't play tournaments. right? right? We had, like, you know, she, like, drags uh, Jack Laxley's name through the mud. And, like, he's put out really good content for us. Like, it's, a, like, go look at it. Like, yeah, sure, it's a little outdated because he, he hasn't done anything for us for three years. Right. Three years, right? Yeah, but, he transitioned but, out. He's in the
3: Bitcoin now, right? Like, that's exactly.
0: Fine. Like he he wasn't like a torment grinder. Of course, he's going to have fifty thousand on Hended mob And I think you know, it's, maybe you, maybe you did this intentionally, but I don't know if you did or not. But like the um the the, the promo the sick the sick day promo where you get a free month of of Sol for Why, like um it's like go look this is out to the entire poker community if you think that our product sucks well here's a free month here's six free weeks to go watch everything we have and then you can see whether we're qualified to to teach people poker and and get people better at poker it's all out there i guarantee you you're gonna find mad hunts uh you know all all of his courses all the solvers are wrong and all his all his great mtt courses are more than valuable
3: yeah and i think like at the end of the day uh one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to have this discussion a it's to get the facts out there because for so much of this uh i think truths and half truths have just been manipulated in the public eye to twist Mm -hmm. the narrative in one direction right so it's nice to give jane and as a platform to come out here speak his truth uh and at least provide some counterpoints to a lot of the bullshit that uh, may or may not have been uh, kind of stuffed down our gullets. But secondary to that is uh, I think that it's, it's hypercritical that we put ourselves out there in a way where we start holding the, the loudest voices uh, accountable for the words that they're saying, right? It, it's, it's a weird space to be in when nobody wants to do the work of actually digging into what they're about to say being truth or not right nobody wants to actually look and see what a person's results are mm-hmm. uh deep tried to get a, a man <laughs> imagine how much this guy is just stealing fucking money he tried to get airball to bet him that uh airball wanted to bet deep that he's made more money in poker lifetime than deep and i combined what <laughs>
0: It could never be proved. I don't think it couldn't. But, which is right, why you right. can just say like yeah. such
3: hyperbolic bullshit. Right, right. But, but it's that's like so he's been,
0: absurd, bro. He was playing two five
3: eighteen months ago. So it's right. like you're telling me that in eighteen months time. You've made somewhere in the neighbor. You've made
0: north of twenty million. Right. Well, I mean, Burke, you're 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 in the negative. So once you've you know, I mean, you you've I mean, bought, you're like ten ten million Deep in the hall, wanted, so, Deep also wanted. to bet him you know. that I would never have a
3: losing year from now until I retired. And Deep's like yeah. plus and forty no million,
0: and they still he's still losing.
3: Well, he's not plus forty million. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. But, I mean, yeah, like we've been around for twenty years. We've made a lot of money, but right. but like the 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 fact of the matter is, is that. We've created a space where there's only two measuring sticks. One is online graphs and the other Mm -hmm. is what Doug Polk says. Right. And the first, we don't have a lot of control over, especially if you're in America, you're just not grinding online. More importantly, there are way, way bigger opportunities live. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, you're either going to accept what my bankroll tracker app says or you're not. And it doesn't really fucking matter to me.
0: It's just so, it's it's unbelievable that this is the measuring stick of, of what makes a person a good coach or if the content is good it's like why not Doug why don't you go through all of our courses go through the courses and 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 then you can judge is this good content or is this bad content right because that's what what matters at the end of the day it's not, It's not. oh, this guy has this many results, or this guy has this, or well, so it's like, is never, the content good? Is it
3: valuable? He, he's never going to do that. He's of never course gonna do he's that never going to
0: for... do that, because that would destroy his whole argument. Well, it,
3: the thing is, like, it wouldn't necessarily, because, like, you can cherry pick plenty of bad content I mean, out of there, yeah, right? I mean, maybe. And we right, could do the right, same. I could sure. go through the Upswing Lab and watch shit from 2016 and be like, right. this is absolute
0: trash. Of course. Of course. If you're going to go back to stuff we did like four or five years ago, yeah, it's outdated. It's wrong. It's, that's how things work, right? You evolve. But if you want to take the last three courses that we put out and tell us that there, there's something wrong with them then uh i implore you to do that
3: yeah yeah i, I mean i think the bigger conversation mm. uh that that i kind of wanted to get into now that that jay Nandes is here is just like what's like why now i guess uh what what drove you to want to to go public now because i know why i'm being more outspoken now than ever um but it's certainly not we're, we're not necessarily in the same position right like i've i've forcefully given myself a microphone and i've taken a lot of shrapnel along the way so it's just kind of my way of clapping back but what what drove you i guess to finally say enough's enough i'm going to leak all this documentation from the lawsuit i'm going to make it public knowledge that they lost this suit because it was kind of quiet nobody really knew
2: yeah there's that there, there are several reasons i mean I think one of them, the most obvious one, is that the cont- it's just like the continuous lying. You know? Like, if Doug would at least not say anything about it, it's, it's different than just like con- continuously re- misrepresenting the facts. There's so many things that he is saying still to this day that are just not factual. And I think it is in the hopes that I'm just not going to respond, basically, because that, that, that was the proxy for the last couple of years. And um, first of all... Someone continuously lies about you. You have to correct that. I guess the reason I didn't do it in the past, that's the bigger question than why I'm doing it now, is because maybe I just felt like, well, number one, I'm not very confrontational. Like, I'm, not looking, I'm not looking for beef. I don't have beef with 20 people right. out there in the space. I'm not, look, I'm not out here to make enemies. I'm, I'm a poker player and a coach. I'm trying to build my business and play poker and become good at it. That's it. Like, that's... That's a good life to me, right? Yeah. Once you engage into confrontation on socials, like your life becomes more difficult. Like it's uncomfortable basically. But I spent more time in Vegas, spent more time in the US in the last year. And I just realized that there are so many people out there that still have this impression of me that I'm, I was in a shady situation. I was scamming someone. I, I was in breach of contract. I was wrongdoing someone. And I just, I don't mind if people have a negative, negative perception of me based on the, on, on the truth. That's their thing to do, and that's fine. But if they think I'm something I'm not based on lies, then that's for me to correct, because how would they know otherwise? So if someone lies about me, I have to come out, the, out there and, and say something about it and correct it. And I just feel like in the last 12 months, I just gained more of a support system in my personal life where I felt like I have people around me which support me, which have my back and which encourage me as well to fight for what I think is right. And, and I felt because of that, you know, like, it's, it's, it's a binary decision. You either go out there, because it's not something that you can just kind of fight. You either have to go out there, go all in or stay all out. And it's a scary decision to make, especially if the... Um, the 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 court of public perception is pretty brutal sometimes. Like people on on Twitter they just say random stuff, insult you, berate you, accuse you on faceless accounts, and it kind of hurts you in some ways, you know, like it's uncomfortable basically to go out there and do that. But at some point I just realized if this is what it takes to speak my truth and at least be at peace with speaking my truth, then so be it. Because the alternative to just be in at peace not saying anything doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the decision to not be public or the decision to not have these things about me out there doesn't exist, it's a dream. So I can only either live with the fact that people believe a lie or go out there and fight, and both is uncomfortable. So at some point with a stronger support system, I was like, you know what, let's just go out there and, t- and tell the truth, even if the repercussions are, are uh, uncomfortable for me.
3: Yeah, do you, do you feel like the uh, court of public opinion has kind of shifted now and that you're, you've more so on your body of work than you are this old past history
2: yeah i I definitely see that there is a shift like one of the most common things that goes through my mind or went through my mind and still goes through my mind and i think of a lot of people's mind is that if they talk about something that they think is injustice the first thing i would think about is no one is going to care anyway like if you come out there complaining about life or complaining about something people will not support you they will not believe you they will not engage with it in a positive way so, why do it? The repercussions are very negative, and I and I learned now by going out there and, and trying to voice my opinion that that's not necessarily true. And people, there are people out there that do care about about um, building a community where the truth is sort of the highest goods that is being looked out for.
1: Yeah, there's a difference between uh, defending a public statement and then the people that don't want to support you anyways, seeing that as an excuse. <clears throat> Where it's like, oh, I'm coming back and fighting after this thing that was said about me, and the people that don't have any sort of knowledge or recollection and looking at things at face value will say, oh, you're just making shit up. Or, oh, like you're just saying shit, you're lying, you because know, Doug said this, this must be true, right? Yeah. So it's a negative feedback loop of trying to take your stance and have that defense while also not getting as much support from the community because you have a smaller platform. So it's a really tough thing when like, someone's driving the narrative in those ways. And it's weird when he takes the stance of like, on the podcast and nobody watches, he'll tell me like, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, you guys like, just say stuff all the time without actually having the facts straight. Well, it's like, why when you have the facts straight, you spin them in a way to make them seem like you don't know what's going right, on.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
1: I, it's pretty fucked, but that's just me. Yeah,
0: I get him landing.
1: <laughs> fucking dumb, dude. Like, what are we doing here? Like, grow up. <laughs> You're not a fucking kid anymore.
0: I love Spazzy. I feel Doug. A 24-year-old just told you to grow up. (laughs) I mean, yeah, look, like, uh,
3: it's it's all funny. Uh, I don't know. Like, there's a way to do this, or there was a way to do this maybe in the past, where uh, this doesn't end up being the end-all be-all. You don't end up having people sue you. You don't have uh, people putting you on blast all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't have social media attacking you. It may be slightly less interesting, but, like, There's, there's a good nature way of, uh, of, of doing this. Like what comes to mind is the, the, uh, Twitter back and forth between like Wendy's and Burger King. Like that's memeing, right? right? That's memeing at its finest. Mm -hmm. And it's never, I I think the line always has to be drawn at when somebody's character is called into question, Mm -hmm. unless like they deserve to have their character called into question. Right. Right. I think we should be reserving, uh, that for very special cases For people who do shitty things. For people who lie, cheat, and steal. For people who, uh, you know, like Doug, go on the uh, offensive against otherwise good people that aren't doing anything to harm anybody, right? Like, this space is so competitive and cutthroat on its own that the notion that we're just supposed to play ball and laugh, laugh along when we're the butt of the joke, where our integrity is somehow being questioned is mind numbing to me and it just it just tells me that nobody's like the people who are saying that have never been on the other side either they've never had their character and integrity called into question or they've never truly quote unquote been punched in the face right Mm -hmm. like there are just so many big mouth bullies in this space that are clout chasing and trying to say the most outrageous things for clicks for views for attention uh and it works it works in the short term we've seen so many come and go right hashtag king is always the guy who comes to mind he's the (laughs) first one that comes to mind right right? just a loudmouth asshole who got all the attention that he was seeking and then vanished off the face of the earth i don't even know
1: the story of that guy i just remember he was just fugazi
3: right he was just fugazi new york poker king's another one scammed for the better part of
0: a, a decade and you know, got all the attention he was looking for, but like it's off. Why do they have to another king space? in their name? They have to like they're trying to compensate. They're trying to like you know just get the po- the New York Poker King, hashtag King. You got the King of LA. Yeah, like what the fuck is happening? here? It's
1: always people that are trying to compensate for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, bunch of fucking it's losers. Like, oh, I'm a king. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but
3: the, the the larger point that I'm trying to arrive at is uh, these guys come and go because the the community can recognize that they're bullshit. Like they're and. And to be fair like i think airball fits this category he's just he's charismatic enough and seems to be rich enough that uh i think mm-hmm. i i truly believe people think he has staying power
0: yeah well people like the, i mean I, i've heard this multiple times people are like well you know i i uh I've, I've met airball and he's such a nice guy and he you know i don't i don't know why he gets this rap of, of who he is like i've talked to him and he's just a really nice guy and he he seems harmless <clears throat> like Okay, yeah, because he's just like you said, he's he's charismatic, right? He has charisma, and and that goes a long way. But like, he also you, probably very much is those things, like right? Yeah, for sure. I see the way he interacts right. with other people, and right. he seems like a good dude. Right. He's just but, not in the words that he's saying publicly. Exactly. Like it's like okay, that's one hand. On the other hand, he's out there calling people scammers that with no like that are completely baseless. I, I think that's so,
3: I think that's the issue is that both things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we as a community don't do a good enough job uh, being critical of the second point. Right. So like so many people are willing to forgive things that Doug says because it's quote unquote Doug. Mm -hmm. Right. And like somehow that's part of the shtick and part of the meme. Same thing with like Helmuth and uh, a lot of other people that are otherwise pretty affable. Right. These are likable guys who have done a lot for the community in one way or another. That doesn't excuse shitty behavior though. Right, it, it doesn't accuse, or it doesn't excuse hiring somebody to do a job for you, and then whenever they come to you as a site owner and says like, "Look, I'm unhappy for reason X, Y, and Z," your response is, "If you leave, I'll sue." Right, and then whenever you realize you can't sue, the response then becomes, "If you leave, I will absolutely destroy you in the public in the public eye."
1: Yeah, there's no negatives for doing what you're doing. Right. There's no punishment.
3: Right, right, like. You know, we've had plenty of, of ups and downs building the company. We've had people come and go. Imagine if every time somebody like was like, look, I'm unhappy doing what I'm doing, uh, whether it's because of me or not, and they're just like, you know, I, I think... An amicable solution here is for us to part ways imagine if i was just like if you do that i will absolutely destroy you
0: yeah i know uh right it's it's ridiculous right. it's 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 taking it's this weird blackmail
3: <clears throat> yeah it's, it's like, like you digital know, blackmail it's also just not comprehending or maybe fully comprehending the power that the microphone gives you right like yeah. there is a certain responsibility to this and of course you could use it nefariously for your benefit God, Burke, we could be
0: so rich if you were just had no business ethics and you're just a scumbag we could be so rich uh, it's just a start <laughs> of, we could only be poker rich <laughs> it's just like, a rap game. no, no right, yeah yeah right. the yeah, issue is just rich. like
1: even with the defamation of character stuff it's not really provable so you can right. kind of say whatever you want and people know what the implied that it is an issue but from a public court of law sense it's just people talking shit and it could mean or could not mean whatever you want it to be yeah And
3: and I think that, like, we see too much fallout for people that don't deserve it and not enough for those that do, right? Like, the Jake Ali Brins of the world, like, those stories all fall by the wayside pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. They just disappear from the public eye. We stop talking about it. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like, they show up to a poker tournament. I'm sure that they feel a lot of, like, what what Jay Nandez was describing. And I know that feeling, man. It's sinking. You walk into a room doing the thing that you love, doing the thing that you've worked most of your adult life on. And you just know that there are eyeballs looking at you with, like, a totally different uh, tint than who you actually are as a, a human being.
1: Yeah, in that sense, the difference was Ali and Jake literally did cheat and do all of these right, things, right. but yeah. Is didn't do any of these things. Right. right.
2: Yeah. Also, I want, I want to say something about defamation because that's also something that... Uh, oh, is this still working? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. You're good. That kind of... Um, again, Doc is trying to use that as a as a sign that he was acting rightfully, but there's a difference between winning defamation in a, in a, in a lawsuit and not actually harming and misrepresenting and lying about it's someone. It's very hard to win in court. Yes, right. exactly. Uh, to
0: prove defamation, like, it, it, it's very difficult. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I mean, we knew that from the, from the beginning. Right. And uh, the biggest issue with us winning defamation, in my eyes at least, was their argument was Fernando's company now, is a lot more successful than the PLO Lab ever was. I was signed by GG Poker, which is one of the biggest or the biggest poker site in the world, and I released a book by a big publisher. If my name got defamed, why are all these things true? Mm-hmm. And my lawyer's response, obviously, was you're making him responsible for the success he has in spite of the defamation, not because of it. Right. And also, one argument I want to mention on, that people sometimes use against me uh, on, on Twitter is the idea that... Doc made me famous. So the amount of people we had in the PLO mastermind, the members we had on, day, on, on the first month, exceeded the members we had by far uh, in the PLO lab. And I think the reason for that is because, not because of the working relationship I have with Doc, I think him attacking me is what made me famous in that sense mm-hmm. like i had eyeballs not because i was working with them but because they just attacked me relentlessly right. and made me bigger that way and mm-hmm. i I, per- I still prefer it not to be that way but it was not like oh i appreciated it by the way good that you d- was trying to destroy my name so i have a couple more customers like obviously not So there is a there is a sl- slight but important difference there and uh, and the other thing I, I want to say is about you know, judge of, char- of character. I think when people defend Duck or similar people, maybe Airball, I don't know the backstory of that too well, usually what they defend is their friend and who they know to be as their friend. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable that you're biased to defend who you know as a friend. But in order to fully understand and judge someone's character, you also have to think about how they act against and with people that are not their friends. And if someone is a very, very good friend, and I'm... Pretty certain Duck is a good friend. Like, if you're friends with Duck, it's good and he's a good character. But if he's lying and misrepresenting and zooming and acting in malice against people that he doesn't like, then that's also part of the judgment you have to bring in. Even if you're a friend about Duck, you can't just say, Oh, this is all doesn't matter, all the things don't matter. I know him, he's a good guy. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes that sort of like double standard is being used uh, with people like that.
1: It's mm-hmm. just used everywhere forever since the beginning of time right this is how nick acts on social media everyone that knows nick well knows that he's a good guy and well intentioned well intentioned wants everybody to have fun but at the same time when someone takes the online persona of trying to ruin reputation it's easy to let that go by the wayside when you actually like him and he and you know that he won't do that to you where Mm -hmm. you're coming from the standpoint of yeah this has been my friend for years he's always been a good guy to me but now he has an issue with someone is taking Liberties that aren't necessarily fair and spinning the narrative however he wants it because Doug let him go on the platform. And then Doug says, oh, He's qualified to have his opinion. If he thinks he's a scammer, I'm gonna let him say it. And we both know that you don't believe that to be true, but you let somebody say it without any counters because it hurts Matt as an individual and as a business.
3: I I think that's something to dig into that uh, we don't do really enough of. And it's hard to do enough of it because there just aren't enough people with big platforms that can kind of speak out on it. But, um, you know, we don't, we, we somehow like, and maybe this is where Doug has kind of like fallen down a bit in most recent history, but he keeps kind of like hitching his wagging to losing causes. Right. So he doubled down on the sports illustrated cover thing, tripled down on it, whenever it got called out, whatever. Uh, and then like with the Airball thing saying like, Oh, well this guy's a qualified source to call Matt a scammer. It's like, you're vouching for him then. Mm-hmm. Like by saying that you're vouching for him. Right. And then on top of that, he like, you know, doubles down and says like, okay, well like now I'm going to coach Airball to, to to beat Matt in this heads up match, right? Very quickly realizes that this guy's uncoachable and then tries to walk it back. It's like, no, hold, hold him to that. Because not only did he vouch for his opinion on his podcast and not push back and say like, you know, you, you think he's a scammer and you're qualified to believe that to be true. I'm here to back you up as the host. Right. But then he doubles down and basically says like, uh, I will help you navigate this, this heads up match that you should already be overqualified for. If this guy's truly is a scammer but like we're gonna put the nail in the coffin right then whenever he realizes that's false rather than apologizing rather than saying like you know i fucked up i should have never given an unqualified voice such a large platform i should have never hitched myself to such an unqualified poker player in a spot where he's drawing that no he just says bullshit where he pulls up a bunch of hands that we both probably played poorly according to the solver and says, like, look at this clown show. Aren't you all entertained? This is all because of me. It would have never even occurred if it weren't for me. Like, everything mm-hmm. is so built around the narrative of, of him being the center of the universe, which, you know, I get it. That's, that's the way narcissism works. But um, we, as, as a collective, especially those of us with microphones, have to start, like, just not letting people off the hook whenever they double and triple down on a bad take. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to just say I fucked up. I got it wrong. Right? Like Lynn's another perfect example of it. Like <laughs> in that space last night she's sitting there going like, unlike you, I'm willing to admit whenever I'm wrong. Hmm. And I was just like, go ahead then. <laughs> go on. We're waiting. We're waiting. Yeah. Like say the words I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Cuz I haven't heard it yet. Right? Like I haven't heard anything except like very light walking back and that's not the fucking same as Apologizing and admitting fault or admitting it your
0: like, it was like wa- like lightly walking things back, but then like doubling down on other things. So like what? Right, what just we, like looking for here? an adjacent tangent right. to yeah. double down on, yeah. and
3: like that's that's the that's the template. That's literally mm-hmm. the template that Doug has built, where it's just like, oh shit, I got caught uh saying a bunch of things that
0: are mostly false. Yeah, like the the whole the whole you getting backed by drug dealers she's like it's probably not probable but it's possible right like what 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 are we doing here we're just here? playing you, with language yeah are you fucking kidding me yeah so like,
3: I'm, I'm telling you man the people who who do this for public attention truly believe the audience is so stupid that they yeah. can't see through it right and I think we're finally getting to a point where
0: like people are getting insulted. I think a lot of people Dude, saw through Lynn.
3: <laughs>
1: there was a Lynn. literal part in the space where she said that she didn't say the thing she said. And the title of their video was the thing that she said that she did not <laughs> yes. say.
0: <laughs> yes. You can I just be Jamie more specific. It, yeah. She
3: said that she never called me a scammer. And literally the title right. of the video with her face on the thumb is Poker, Poker Coach Scams.
1: Yeah. Or something to that. It, it was like, yeah. Uh, Businessman puts poker scammer to the test. Yeah, or something that's what it was. When yeah. he has nuts and you mm-hmm, just have yeah. set. Yeah. Exactly. God, you gotta love this shit, man. Yeah, no, it's you just, don't. You just don't. <laughs>
3: well, you don't. But like Conrad's point is valid. Like, what's better content than literally catching people in lies?
1: oh it's amazing catching people in 4k is the greatest thing of all time (laughs) if i if i I could apologize i just would yeah but you didn't if i want to say these things i would yeah but you did like these actions have consequences and everyone just thinks they get a free fucking pass you know like when i got fucking dragged for the perkins shit i deserved it i got fucking wrecked and like everyone says the whole clicker uncoachable shit this that whatever clicker came in the last month we did maybe three sessions but the narrative after he put that stuff up Doug then retweets it and says, oh, Clicker, one of the best heads-up players in the world, calls this guy uncoachable. He was only in for the last three hours. Like, he coached me as much as Doug probably coached Airball. Hey,
0: hey, for what it's worth, uh, Perkins also beat Doug.
1: Yeah, <laughs> sure but like, point being it's like I did these things I got wrecked I deserve to get wrecked yeah and you you, know? and, you
0: and you owned up to it and you yeah made this your stuff, mistakes and a- like
1: anyways, you know, like making excuses for why you lost and said like you know created this whole narrative well if I didn't have better guidance I would have if I didn't mm-hmm. have people in my corner that were smarter than me say hey don't say anything about this because it doesn't come off the way you want it to and it doesn't help I would have said like, my defense statement, which wouldn't have been helpful in the slightest. Yeah. But now when people take these stances and say these things of calling you a scammer, saying things they wish they regret and could retract, they think that there's no actions or consequences to what the fuck is going on. Because there aren't. Right.
3: Because there just aren't. Right? Like, this is the closest we've seen mm-hmm. to, to the people who are just saying things frivolously actually having to answer. Right? I retart- the willingness to... <laughs> The, the willingness to constantly be put in the public eye and have your opinion scrutinized, right? It's like, it's the thing that I catch the most flack for. Like, I host an opinion show five days a week. I'm going to get a lot of shit wrong. There are going to be so many takes I have that are bad, right? And there's going to be so much here. Like, uh, I, I don't think people understand what it's like to be on the mic for eight, ten hours a week.
1: Obviously not. That's why they do what they do. Right.
3: It's nice when you have the help of an editor... To ensure that like everything is completely dialed in, you have many many days to put mm-hmm. out content, right? It's like when you're speaking off the cuff. It's like people have forgotten what it's like to just be in a work environment or social environment and have water cooler talk. That's what podcasts are. You think right. we're the only ones in the world yeah. that are are saying things and having hot takes that aren't exactly nailing it every time? Go to any other space. Go to th- go to sports, fantasy sports, betting. Go anywhere. Gaming, like all of these places. The hot takes are are why people tune in. They want you to be wrong so that they can tell you that they're wrong in the chat. It's what drives things. It's someone like,
1: give me $15 for calling me stupid. It's like, thanks, I'm going to go get a nice meal now. Right.
3: <laughs> it's like it's like okay, like uh, that's part of being in this seat is like you own that shit, right? You don't double and triple down and act like you're this like, you know, perfect voice. All you all you do is you try to lean on the things that define you as what you feel like is your value right integrity character personality like these are the things that you lead with whatever knowledge you happen to be able to intertwine there is helpful right but like you if you think that somebody's going to speak for 600 hours a year on the mic and be right for 599.9 of them you're you're,
1: you're way off man yeah somewhere along the lines things changed as to giving the people what they want from a content perspective versus leading with value. Yeah. Agreed. Where the latter does not give as much value, like as much viewership or engagement as the former.
3: The latter is a, an infinite mindset. The former is a finite mindset, right? It's, it's the difference between building something slowly and developing a rapport and being authentic and, cre- and, and, you know, curating an audience that the retention is high because they are invested in you as a person versus the former, which is, just kind of whoring yourself out for as many clicks as humanly possible in the near term
1: so what do we think that they both had in that hand
3: right it's all engagement farming (laughs) right and it works it works until it doesn't right
1: Like It, it works until you do the things that you're doing like you can play the engagement game by all means right by all means play the engagement game but there's clearly like some sort of ethical lines that you even know as a person that when you cross them those things will always stick with you right saying that you want to retract these things you said even though you knew that saying these things in the first place was an issue
3: right yeah i think it's valid do you have anything you want to close on here jane andes
2: um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, got something, I got something for you what is it? how do you feel about aaron Rodgers being a jet now <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's, it's fucking official. Wait, it, it you it used a lot of words in a row that <laughs> I don't know. How's <laughs> I was gonna
1: say I knew you had no idea about
0: football. <laughs> well, I looked on Twitter yesterday, and and uh, in my trending, uh, it was Berkey, Aaron Rodgers, and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> And oh, I was going to, I was going to tweet like <laughs> fuck Mary kill. <laughs> but then I was like, Oh, Twitter's going to like, like suspend me. Cause I'm like promoting violence. Do so it, I didn't do a fuck it, Mary
3: kill with trending but,
0: names but, is really but sharp. If, if you guys yeah. want to do a fuck Mary kill, Berkey, Aaron Rodgers, and Hillary Clinton, by all means. <laughs> uh, that, that's, actually, that's a really fun game. Uh, well,
3: condolences to the jets. I'm sorry that you're getting this washed ass mm-hmm. quarterback for infinite money. Yep. Uh, Jay Nettis. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really, appreciate you you were a great guest i'm happy to to get that narrative out there and get some truth out on the timeline a bit uh i gotta get out of here i gotta go play airhead assuming he doesn't call in (laughs) sick today i know there (laughs) were talks of he may not be able to make it we'll see rumor is he's buying it for a million
1: if he does not attend there'll be a 10k i don't believe
3: it (laughs) i'll believe it when i see it uh Yeah, get your big chips out in front. Uh, (laughs) Updates to follow tomorrow. I think we're going to be joined by Brent Hanks. I'm not entirely positive. Landon and Conrad are heading off to Florida. I might be here tomorrow. As is Jeff Platt. But uh, one way or another, we'll catch you guys all up on what happened on the spaces, what's been happening on the match. And then, of course, we'll have Strat Chat Wednesday with Matt Hunt. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you for all the support. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment below after this is all said and done. We'll be back tomorrow, I believe, 11 a.m. if Brent's with us. Otherwise, it'll be at noon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you then. Stay popping. Good night.